0: Welcome back to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast, everybody. Hayden Grove of Cleveland.com here with you, along with Chris Fedor, on another beautiful Monday in Northeast Ohio, sun shining high in the sky. Um, we want to thank all of you who listened last week. Um, you know, that was a little bit of a different podcast for, for us, but um, we appreciated the opportunity to, you know, talk about very serious issues in this country um, and all that has happened following the death of George Floyd. And um, we're still, you know, doing our part to learn what we need to learn, to listen to what we need to listen to, to, you know, support our friends and, and the people that, you know, um, are going through a tougher, even some of the toughest time in, times in their lives right now. So, Chris, anything you want to add before we kind of get into a little bit of basketball
1: here? No, I don't think so. It's just for the people that continue to bring up, hey, like stick to sports and stuff along, along those lines. It's like, um. The NBA and sports in general intersects so much with everything that's going on in society. And the NBA is going to do something when it comes to their return on July 31st um, to take a stand against racial injustice. And coaches in the NBA have formed um, some kind of 10-person committee um, to try and fight against racial injustice. So. The days of sticking to sports are long over. And I think it's up to um, readers and listeners to understand that just like we as reporters have had to adapt when it comes to our coverage with social media, with Twitter, with Instagram, with racism, with, with everything, really, um, with podcasts, with video, it's going to be up to the readers to adapt, too. And they're going to have to have some recognition that sticking to sports is just not going to happen in today's society because too many things intersect.
0: Right. I think we have a responsibility um, with our platform to you know speak out on these issues, and I think it's a great point that um, that I've seen is you know silence is violence. Yeah. Um, you can't be silent, and um, again, it's, it's it's one of those things where. You know, it takes it takes. Sure, there's going to be there's going to be critics and people who are going to you know want to say things negatively about you know us talking about things other than sports and and basketball specifically. But I think it's too important to uh, to be silent on it.
1: And and so much of the economy, Hayden, is tied to sports. Yeah. I mean, Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, said it. I think a few months back, he was talking about. How interested he was during this pandemic for the NBA to get back so that the NBA could help jumpstart the economy. Um, NBA coaches have spoken out on different issues around the country. So all of these guys, whether it be players or coaches, they're starting to dabble in things beyond sports. And if JP Bickerstaff is going to talk about those kinds of things, If Kevin Love is going to talk about those things, it's my responsibility covering the team that I cover to also give them that platform to explore those kinds of things beyond him just talking about um, the Cavs' horrible defense one night or a Cavs' win against the Denver Nuggets or something along those lines. Um, Sports are all-encompassing these days, and because you cover this team and because you're talking to these guys about these topics— they're going to be written about, they're going to be talked about, and they should. A hundred percent. And I think, you
0: know, the fact that we haven't been able to play basketball or see basketball being played in so long has actually been a, 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 not, a, not a good thing for, you know, for anyone. We all love the game and we all appreciate the game and the players want to play, but I think it has allowed, you know, people to focus more on the actual issues that are happening, you know, the things that, that, you know, are going around in the world. And I think, you know, as much as basketball can serve as a you know entertainment and a distraction and and for a lot of different people um i think this was a perfect you know not a not a good time because it's a terrible thing that's happened you know with george floyd and but i think it's a good i I think it all came together at the right time to where you know we don't have anything else to focus on so it's you know more paramount than ever than that we can focus on, you know, racial injustice and speaking out on these things, and I think it gives time for, you know, the players um, who are usually so wrapped up in the in the you know the world of games and travel
1: and this and that, mm-hmm. they can sit down and and really put their thoughts out there, which I think has been awesome. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I was thinking about it the other day. Um, there was the story about Jalen Brown driving from Boston to Atlanta so that he could lead a peaceful protest. Jalen Brown is an up and coming player. He just got a big contract extension from the Celtics. He was a third overall pick. So this is a young kid ascending, coming into his own. And if the Boston Celtics would have been in the NBA finals or in the conference finals, he wouldn't have had that platform. He wouldn't have been able to do what he did driving from Boston to Atlanta to lead that protest. He wouldn't be able to use the voice that he's been using right now because he would be so caught up in different responsibilities. Right. So I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about that. I was thinking about some of the players that have been very open and honest about this and taking part in some of these protests, the peaceful ones. And and if they still would have been playing basketball, they wouldn't be able um, to do the things that they've been doing right now. Mark Cuban, if his Dallas Mavericks had advanced deep into the postseason, he wouldn't have been able to take part in that march or that protest. Yes. So you're right. Sometimes timing can be really, really bad on things, and sometimes timing in a, a weird way can be a blessing. And if, if we're trying to find positives to come from this in a dark, dark time, and sometimes we're taught to do that, um, I think that is one of the positives for sure. Absolutely.
0: I completely agree that this is, you know, it's, it's about finding the good and bad. It's about finding the good out of bad situations. And, um, you know, unfortunately, it took bad situations to happen for us to try to push more for good. But, um, again, I'm a positive person. I like to, you know, look at the positives in each situation. And that was my first thought is that, you know, because of basketball being stopped and because of all these sports being stopped, now people with bigger platforms Have the time to do it. They, you know, to help more than ever, and I think that's huge. Um, I do want to get into basketball, though, because the Cavaliers, uh, unfortunately, had their season ended uh, when the on last Thursday, when the NBA decided that they were going to have 22 teams report to Disney World uh, to restart the NBA season. So, Chris, you have an article up titled on Cleveland.com slash Cavs titled What Does It Look Like for Cleveland Cavaliers outside of the NBA's twenty-two team bubble? So that's the question I will ask you. (laughs) What is the what what does it look like for the Cleveland Cavaliers
1: outside of the NBA's twenty-two team bubble? Well they don't like the view. We'll start there, Hayden. Sure, of course. They're pissed. To be honest with you, the coaches, the players, the front office, the entire organization is pissed that they're not included. Um, They're looking at a team like the Washington Wizards. They're looking at a team like uh, the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Those teams are going to get five to seven weeks of time together um, on the court development um, evaluation that the Cavs simply aren't going to get. And they want to know how the NBA is going to remedy that. And they want to know if there's anything that the NBA is going to do for the eight teams that have been excluded whether it be mandatory summer training camp, OTAs, some kind of tournament for the eight teams that are excluded, some kind of competitiveness, because the five to seven weeks of um, development and togetherness is so, so important, especially for a team Hayden like the Cavs. Not only are they really, really young, but they've got a new head coach and they're trying to put in a new culture, a new system, and they're being—they feel they're being robbed of an opportunity that some of these other young developing teams are getting.
0: Yeah, it, it, I definitely understand from from their standpoint. Is there any um, like plan for them to have an you know an unofficial just time to be together and time to work out together and and try to even maybe not even so much you know play but just
1: you know continue to develop and work uh, with each other. So there are so many things that have to be discussed here yeah. um, between all of these teams and the Players Association, all of these teams in the league. Um, there has to be things that are collectively bargained. But the sense that I get is that the NBA is aware of how these eight excluded teams feel, including the Cavs. And they're at least open to different things this offseason. season because of the circumstances surrounding the situation that everybody is in right now. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know how that's going to come together, but the Cavs have one member of the front office who spent like three days before the Board of Governors call on Thursday, um, putting together various plans to send to the NBA that the Cavs want. Um, And it included, like I said, summer training camp, OTAs, mandatory group get-togethers. Now, some of that stuff can get really tricky, though, right? Because if the Cavs season is over-over, right, they have four guys who are going to be free agents or could be free agents. Tristan Thompson, Matthew Della Vadova, Ante Zizic, and Andre Drummond. So, like, if they do a mandatory summer training camp and it's after the season— What does that mean for those four guys? I think that's something that the Cavs are working through. It's something that the NBA would have to work through. Um, But the Cavs are very, very interested in some kind of team-organized activity throughout the course of the summer. Because usually, Hayden, it's just exit interviews, go your separate way. If you want to do individual workouts at the facility, you can do that. But no scrimmaging, right, amongst the team, no five-on-five, no team-organized activities. And the Cavs want those things. And these other teams that have been excluded want those things, too. And I think because of the pandemic and because of this situation, I think the NBA is going to be more open to it.
0: So before we look forward and and we talk about, you know, those guys that you mentioned, the Andre Drummond, the Tristan Thompsons, Let's take a look back. So, I mean, so the Cavaliers finished, obviously, the 2nd worst team in the league. Um, didn't have the season that they wanted to. Uh, went through a coaching change midway through the season again. And, um, you know, Darius Garland's season was kind of lost. Colin Sexton took some strides. I mean, what what is the biggest takeaway from
1: the 2019-2020 Cavaliers in your mind? Um, I think my biggest takeaway is that No matter how they arrived at this, it looks like they have the right coach for this group. And again, maybe they learned some things from the John Beeline situation. It's one of the questions that I have teed up for when we have end-of-season conference calls with Kobe Altman and some of the other people within the organization. So hopefully we get a chance to do that, and hopefully I can ask that question. But in failing to get John Beeline... Um, in failing to find a coach that was right for them, they did. Yeah. J.B. Bickerstaff was able to take over, and the way that he communicates with the guys, the way that he has led them through this very, very difficult time. Um, I was thinking about this the other day, Hayden. If, if they didn't have J.B. Bickerstaff right now as the head coach, if they had John Beeline, how different things would be, how different the vibe around the team would be how different things would be conducted at this point in time. And it's no offense to John Beeline, who is a great college coach, a great person. I got to know him on a daily basis. I got to talk to him on a daily basis. And there are things that, that he does that are great, and they fit really, really well in a certain realm. Um, but when it comes to connecting to players, that was not something that he could figure out at this particular level. So to have somebody like J.B., who has a knack for connecting to players, who has a way of talking to them in a way that's going to make them listen and want to follow. Um, It's very, very good that he's the head coach of this team right now, going into what is, it's going to be an unprecedented off season and who knows what 2020, 2021 is going to look like. So to me, that's my biggest takeaway and you can call it the honeymoon phase or whatever, But after they put J.V. Bickerstaff in charge, there was a different vibe around this team. There was a different attitude around this team. It wasn't negativity. It was positivity. It was hope for the future. It was belief in the guy that was in charge. And that belief was missing at various points in the first half of the season because of John Beeline.
0: And you could say that they they did fail and they failed forward in a way, but they also kind of had that pl- like you know that plan in place. I mean, they didn't just hire Jv Biggerstaff to be an assistant. You know, they were looking down the road, potentially right. at, 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 for you know for his future. So, I totally agree that yes, um, certainly there you know the John Beileon experiment did not work, but they had a plan in place. And and you know sometimes I think the world just works in ways and you get. It, it it just so happened that it was kind of the perfect fit of the perfect time for, for the Cavaliers, and they kind of needed
1: that. And to your point, they built it in the contract of J.B. Bickerstaff that when John Beeline was done, when he laid the foundation or however they phrased it, that there was going to be a transition into J.B. Part of the reason why J.B. came here instead of going to the Sacramento Kings with his buddy Luke Walton. The other team that was interested is because of that, is because of the succession plan and because of Kobe Altman and because of his father, Bernie Bickerstaff. But because of that succession plan that was built into his contract, where he knew at the end of it, whether it be three, four years down the road, however long it was going to be, I don't think anybody thought it was going to be half a season, but however long it was going to be, that he was going to take over as head coach and this was going to be his job. So, yes, you're right. Uh, They do get credit for that, for thinking that kind of way. At the same time, I think it is fair to criticize them for going with John Beeline. Because here's the thing, Hayden, the reasons why it didn't work, if the Cavs are going to focus on those, they were all the red flags that people around college basketball and around the NBA, they were all the red flags that made them believe that it wasn't going to work in the first place. Like these criticisms about John Beeline and his connectivity and being out of touch and being too old for the kind of team that he was going to coach, like these were brought up to the Cavs and these were brought up the minute that he was hired. And it turned out like that was all the things that people could see coming came. So, what did the Cavs miss in that? If they're going to self evaluate at the end of this season, I think it'd be very, very interesting to see how they, um, how they evaluate themselves in missing all the signs that everybody else saw.
0: Yeah, I think that's you know I think that's part of the issue with or not
1: everybody else, but the detractors and the people that were questioning the hire. So I right. think that's a better way to phrase it.
0: Well, I think that anytime you kind of think out of the box, you know, it's it kind of does set you up to fail, or you know, it's it's never thinking out of the box isn't always a certain thing. And, it, and it's, you know, sometimes it's a big risk and a big reward in this situation. It was a big risk and it ended up, you know, just, it ended up in their favor because again, um, everything that they missed with John Beanline, they kind of, you know, had a, had JB in place and it, it worked out. I mean, so I totally agree that there are certainly ways in which they're going to have to look and say, okay, you know, what happened with John? Why did, why did we overlook these things? You know, what were we thinking in this and why did it not work? And how can we, you know, fix that when we, you know, look at acquiring players or look at acquiring coaches or tell, you know, anything going forward? I totally agree with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the other big takeaways that I have from this year, the belief in Kevin Porter Jr. It, it's now gone into the coaching staff. It's now gone into the players. Like yep. this organization believes that he's the one. If there is a focal point, if there is somebody that's going to change the trajectory of this rebuild and change the timeline potentially of this rebuild, it's going to be him. There are people in the organization, including players, that believe he is going to be an NBA star. And I think he showed glimpses of that. I think he showed flashes of that. So for the 30th overall pick in the draft to perform in stretches the way that he did as a rookie— Somebody who's still trying to figure it out, but showing that talent at the same time. Uh, I thought that was a huge step, especially given the bad season that Darius Garland had and the lost season of Dylan Windler. Um, to have KPJ emerge that kind of way, Hayden, big big step for this organization. The other thing is, for all of the stuff that Colin Sexton continues to get in terms of criticism, like I don't know if he's going to be an All Star. I don't know if he can be somebody that you center this rebuild around, but he has shown in two years that he is going to have a long, productive career. And it was supposed to be a seven-player draft or something like that in 2018. That's what everybody said. After Luca, after Trey, after all those other guys, Aiton, Bagley goes early, there's a huge drop-off after number seven or whatever. And for the Cavs to get Colin. At number eight, take the criticism that they did because they didn't take Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Michael Porter Jr. In two years, in many ways, I feel like Colin Sexton has validated that pick. He has validated them. And um, I'm very, very excited to see where his career continues to go because he is going to work his way into – whatever his ceiling is, and and maybe he's going to break through that ceiling as well, because he's just that kind of kid.
0: So going forward, you, you know, you, you mentioned Colin Sexton, you mentioned Kevin Porter jr. You mentioned the lost season of Dylan Wendler. You mentioned Darius Garland, uh, you know, the young, the young core is there in terms of the players that they've drafted and the players they're looking to develop. And, you know, and that's what we were discussing when, in regards to, you know, a, li- a little bit of lost time with those guys to, to de- develop even, even further. but, um, as you mentioned as well, there are some names that certainly, um, are free agents for the Cavaliers. And the first name that I think of, uh, is Tristan Thompson. I mean, did, has Tristan Thompson played his last game for the Cleveland Cavaliers? And if so, I mean, what, 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 what do you see happening with him? What do you see happening with the Cavaliers in terms of maybe wanting to bring him back? I mean, his legacy here is obviously, um, you know, a great one being an NBA champion and then being a guy who played so many consecutive games and just worked his butt off for the Cavaliers over the years.
1: So my initial thought when the Cavs were excluded from the Disney plan, Hayden, was that Tristan had played his final game with the Cavs. So I reached out to people on both sides of this conversation. Yeah. And they both like both sides said, slow down on that. Like, take it easy here, fella. You're jumping to conclusions. And and look, I mean, to some degree, they have to say that because this offseason is shrouded in mystery. Um, But I think there's also a sense that the Cavs recognize the value that Tristan Thompson brings. And Tristan being one of the greatest Cavaliers of all time and eventually having his jersey hung and continuing to climb the ranks of the all-time Cavs is something that's meaningful to him. Sure. This is the only organization that he's ever known. This is the organization that drafted him. So when I texted somebody and said, does this mean Tristan has played his final game with the Cavs? I got back, not necessarily, and I believe there's a chance he comes back. Um, And I think part of that, Hayden, has to do with just this offseason. There are so many people that are wondering today – what is the salary cap going to look like for next season? How are free agents going to be impacted by that and the coronavirus? And because there's such a tight timeline when it comes to one season ending and the next season starting, are teams more than likely going to try and hang on to their own free agents? And are free agents going to just stay with the team that they're currently on because It's going to be really, really difficult for them to transition into a new team in such a short window um, and understand what role they're going to have and understand the new system and understand the new coach and and all the different things that go into changing teams. Uh, So I'm wondering if because of that, Hayden, if Tristan is just going to maybe and, and some of these other guys are just going to sign like one year deals stay in the place that they are and just give 2021 free agency a real shot.
0: Yeah. That was kind of my thought when you were mentioning that, you know, is, is, are these guys going to just try to, you know, essentially just hang on for one more year and, you know, let it normalize a little bit before, you know, trying, trying to enter into free agency. Um, but with Tristan, again, it, that's interesting that you hear that, you know, they're saying that it's not totally a foreground conclusion that he would be, you know, looking elsewhere. I, how, I mean, from, from what you, you mentioned and what you got in regards to information, I mean, w- does it matter to him to, to, as you said, you know to be in the Raptors, to to stay in Cleveland for a long time and to be that kind of iron man in this in the Cavaliers uniform? I mean, how much is that weighing in on his decision here?
1: Yeah, so I think that matters. I think it does. Um, I think when you're talking about free agency or any of these kinds of conversations, Hayden, there are a lot of things in play. Like somebody in free agency doesn't just take the money. They look at money. They look at location. They look at role. They look at a bunch of different factors. And I think when it comes to Tristan, one of the factors absolutely is his standing with the Cavs. He wants to be considered one of the greats that has ever played for this organization. He wants his jersey in the rafters. And I think the more time he spends with this organization, the more he can climb the ranks, the more notoriety he's going to get. And maybe people are going to recognize more the kind of impact that he had after getting drafted fourth overall. Um, So I do think that matters. I don't know that that is the driving force behind this decision, though. I'll put it that way. So
0: say he does go elsewhere. Do you think do you think number 13 is up there? If, he, if this is
1: his last go with the Cavaliers, do they put number 13 up in the Raptors? I go back and forth on that, but yeah. I think yes, because of his contributions to the title team uh-huh. and because of where he is in ranks of this organization yep. compared to some other guys that are already up there, if that makes yep. sense.
0: No, that makes complete sense. And, I, I and, totally,
1: yep, go ahead. And, and here's the other thing. When it comes to where he could go this offseason, Hayden, I really think the amount of options for him are going to be small. Um, I believe he feels like he's worth more than the mid-level exception. And I think you can make an argument in this climate that he is worth more than the mid-level exception. And right now, projections for the mid-level is about eight to nine million per year. That could go down just based on what has happened here with coronavirus. Uh, So the teams that have more than the mid-level to offer, uh, I mean, they're very similar in situation to the Cavs. So why would he go there into another rebuild situation just for more money? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I don't necessarily buy that. I mean, I think somebody in his position, Hayden, would love to latch on with a contending team. Yeah. But if he gets to a contending team, the only way that he gets there is by taking the mid-level exception or the Cavs signing him to a little bit more than the mid-level and trading him to one of those contenders. So some sign-and-trade type situation. So the options for him to get to a better situation than this one They're not that great. And would it be worth it for him to say, go to Charlotte for a little bit more money, or maybe uh, New York for a little bit more money, or uh, say Memphis for a little bit more money, when he could potentially stay here in Cleveland, continue to climb the ranks, continue to cement his place in in this franchise um, for another year, and then try free agency in 2021? It's just there's so much mystery surrounding free agency this offseason that it's really hard to peg anything, including what happens with Tristan.
0: Sure. that's. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see, and, and it makes sense. I mean, I, I don't uh, – again, every person has their own kind of mind and their own thoughts, but, I mean, the thought if Tristan Thompson wanting to go to Charlotte for a little more money or Memphis for a little more money or maybe even New York for a little more money doesn't sound that appealing. Um, I agree. You know, especially when you would have to start over and, and you know, enter a new market. And, you know, it just it, it doesn't sound that great. So you're right. I mean, the I, I think that he would be much more interested in going to an L.A. or going to somewhere where, you know, he's going to compete right away. And as you said, it, it's it's it wouldn't make as much sense for him financially. So.
1: So here's very, the other thing. Here's yeah. the other thing that's in play. Does he just say all right, you know what, I'm going to bite the bullet when it comes to financial this offseason because of all the circumstances surrounding it, latch on to a contender for this upcoming season, and then either stay with that particular contender moving forward, like sign a one-year contract, yeah. and then try and re-up with that same team that he signs with that contending team next offseason, or maybe you know, go somewhere else to a different contender and start jumping around for more of a long-term deal next off season. I guess that's in play too.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of questions. And speaking of questions, um, we do want your questions coming into the wine gold talk podcast. Um, you, we can do that through subtext and how it works, uh, is that Chris will text you two to three times a day with the inside scoop and analysis on the calves, what he's hearing and give you the inside word before things happen. Uh, he'll text you big breaking news even before it's up on Cleveland.com and you can text us directly. Um, you know, Chris has a subtext. I have a subtext and we will put it on the uh, on the Cleveland.com post where this uh, podcast will be embedded. So be sure to sign up for subtext too. it's a 14 for 14 day free trial. Um, you can cancel at any time, but all it takes is uh, one text. Um, you won't have to cancel. You will not want to cancel. People who have signed up, they love it. They love Chris's information. They love the background that they're able to get before anybody else. And uh, only $3.99 a month. So that is $0.14 cents, uh, a day, less than $0.14 cents a day. So one more time, um, go to text Chris slash me at 216 uh, Again, 216 um, And when you text us, that is the only way to get your questions into the show. Uh, through subtext. So, you know, sign up and get your questions into us. Any questions you have about Tristan Thompson, about the Cavaliers, about what Chris is hearing, uh, be sure to send them our way. One more time, uh, 216-208-4499. And that is subtext. All right, Chris, um, getting back into it with the free agents. uh, Andre Drummond was another name that you mentioned. And that's a name we've talked about a lot um are you still expecting him to re up with the Cavaliers take that uh, that option and um and be back in Cleveland next season
1: Yes as close to 100% as I can get without not making it 100% Yeah because because somebody in this business told me a long time ago never say never
0: Right All right so Andre Drummond comes back um Matthew Dellavedova and Nate Sizvich. obviously deadly you know fan favorite but is certainly not, not, not the offensive player that uh, he once was, or he just had a really, you know, pretty terrible year this year offensively. Uh, still brings a lot of effort and leadership, no
1: doubt. But um, what is what is the deal with Delhi? I have a a trivia question for you first. Ready? Okay. okay. In terms of on off court rating, who was the best player on the Cavs this year? Wait, what do you mean by on off court rating? It's how they performed with the player on the court versus the player off the court. It's called on-off. Okay. Oh, I I got you. Okay. So, who is the best? Who is the best Cavalier? Statistically. And again, this is just one metric. Matthew Delevadova? Matthew Delevadova. Wow. Well, there you go. (laughs) Now, Now, that speaks to a lot of different things, Hayden. Yes. Number one, it just shows how important it is to have a ball mover and a passer at point guard. And that's not something that they had. You know, for a lot of the year, Hayden, the best passers that the team had were big guys. Larry Nance Jr., Kevin Love. um, But Matthew Devladova, when he started playing um, close to the shutdown of the season, he was moving the ball. He was creating opportunities. The offense was flowing. It looked like a real offense as opposed to an offense, it looked like an experienced, well-run offense, as opposed to an offense run by a rookie point guard who only played four full games of college. Right. In some ways, that's to be expected. But it's something that the Cavs have to look at here. And I'm not saying with Della Vadova, but it's something that they have to look at when it comes to team building moving forward. Like, if that's the kind of impact that Delhi can have, despite the fact that he couldn't hit a shot for most of the year, like they need that kind of player. So when yeah. it comes to the draft, when it comes to the offseason, they have to say, like, is there a player out there that can bring that kind of element to our team? Um, and maybe a little bit more in the future. When it comes to Delhi specifically, though, Hayden, yep. Um at the start of this year, there was all the conversation that we were having amongst each other about okay, which of these expiring contracts is going to be traded at the deadline? Remember that? It was Tristan, Deli, Brandon Knight, John Henson, and there was one more I I forget at this point in time. Maybe Ante Zizic. And the Cavs at, at that point coming into the season, they kept saying to everybody that would listen, hey, we're not going to trade all of them at the deadline. That's not going to happen. There's no way that we're going to trade all five. We're going to keep some of them in the second half of the season and maybe even try and keep some of them moving forward because we value them. Correct. I think if there's somebody that fits that, it's deli yes. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a serviceable backup point guard, great basketball IQ, really coachable, isn't going to complain about his role Probably isn't going to have a big market in the offseason where he'd be passing up a great opportunity elsewhere. So the Cavs love Deli. He brings a lot of the intangibles and a lot of the culture things that they're looking for. And I think they feel like him being around is very, very beneficial for somebody like Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, and any other young player that they may add to this team. He's got championship experience, too. He's one of the few guys remaining from the championship team. So if it's a team friendly contract and Delhi doesn't have other options around the NBA, I could see him coming back for sure. I totally understand that. And
0: he, I, I assume he wouldn't come at a high cost. Um,
1: Oh, I don't mark.
0: I'm assuming the market wouldn't be that, you know, he wouldn't get the deal that he got with the bucks. That's for sure. (laughs) Um, And I I think the market would be, yeah, I I think it, I think the reunion would make a lot of sense. Um, You know, if the, if, if, I'm just trying to think of any other like scenarios where he wouldn't, you know, want to come back. But I think again, I think he, you know, is very comfortable in Cleveland. Um, I think he, you know, has a very good footing here and it would it would make sense um if if not for a long-term contract, maybe even a short one or two year deal.
1: Here's the scenario where he doesn't want to come back. Yeah. They draft LaMelo Ball with the first overall pick or something like that. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you have young LaMelo Ball, you have young Darius Garland, and a lot of those guys are going to take up the point guard minutes. You're probably going to spend some time with Colin Sexton at point guard. You're probably going to spend some time with KPJ at point guard next season as part of the experiment and trying to give KPJ more responsibilities to see what he can do, what he can't do. So then Delhi would look at the situation saying, "Okay, it's very, very similar to the beginning of this past season where I was completely out of the rotation. I had right. no general idea of what my role was going to be. Um, so maybe in that situation, he says, I could go somewhere else, be a mentor in the same kind of way, but also get more playing time in a different situation. Yeah.
0: Then uh, that would make sense. So I guess we'll have to see what happens with the draft. And we'll have a lot of time to talk about the draft. The draft is now not until, uh, I believe, October. Um is October fifteenth, yes, man. October fifteenth, yes. Yep. Crazy. That's unbelievable. So but also that's only what? Like four months away. So I mean it's you, it's gonna be such a weird time.
1: You say only. I mean, for well, the last for the last two months, all the Cavs have been doing is watching film on these draft prospects because they had no clue when the draft was going to be and they wanted to be prepared just in case it was still June twenty fifth. So now you're talking about Six months really of breaking down the same prospects over and, over and over and over and over again.
0: I could see that being a problem. I could, yeah, start to overthink yeah, it, overthink it. And then I could see that, like, I could see them, like, you know, honing in on one specific part of a guy's game that they, you know, don't <laughs> like, and then thinking about, I mean, they I, I believe that I truly believe that they should probably just take like a month's vacation and start <laughs> over again or something. Yes, yeah. decompress, exactly.
1: Yeah, fresh take, eyes.
0: Yeah, take their eyes off of yeah these guys that they've been watching so much. But um, there is one more free agent that I do want to get to, Ante Zizic, and then um, we can touch on some of the other guys. But Ante Zizic, I mean, again, I, I don't know where to think about this one. Um, young guy, but kind of his, his the way that he plays and the way that, you know, the NBA goes, he's not the most popular in terms of that kind of style of play and that position. What are the Cavaliers thinking in regards to big – Or, what are the what 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 did you
1: saw on Big Z? (laughs) I think Big Z is taken by the other guy, exactly
0: right. (laughs) Who I saw riding his bike on Lake Road the other day. Shout out to Big Z, happy (laughs) birthday! He's 45 years old, though, last week.
1: And he was riding his bike on Lake Road, good for him,
0: yeah. Yeah, he's just (laughs) let me tell you what, for a guy that's what 7'3 on a bike, he didn't look that weird. And I'm (laughs) probably for a guy who's 73 on a bike and yeah, look no. that weird props to him. That's got to be <laughs> must like be a,
1: must be a giant bike. I was going to say custom made for
0: sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure for sure. Um so big the other little Z, if you want to call him little Z, we'll call him little Z. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I I just don't think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The only argument that you can really make Hayden is that well I I guess there are two arguments that you could make. He's still young and developing, and two, he, he gives you depth at, at the big spot, especially if, if Tristan Thompson maybe could walk. Um, but aside from that, I mean, this is a guy who they just don't give consistent opportunities to. As you mentioned, not a great fit for today's game. Honestly, I, I think Ante would be best served if, if he would be okay with this. To go overseas, play somewhere overseas, and maybe make more money and get more playing time consistently because he's always going to be, I think, that swing big on a roster who's yeah. only going to get playing time if there's an injury or if there's foul trouble.
0: Well, the good news is that he is from overseas. So I think he would be, you know, comfortable in that situation. This is overseas for him, realistically. I mean, yeah. You know, being from, not from the United States. So. I mean, I wish Bigsy the best, but I kind of agree. You know, it's a situation where he would probably be best served if he really wanted to play and to make more money to go to the, uh, to go to another league over there. Um, we've mentioned a lot of names, Darius Garland, Dylan Windler, uh, Kevin Porter Jr., uh, Colin Sexton. We have not touched on the, probably the biggest name uh, that the Cavaliers have in Kevin Love, but, um, Still under contract, very much. Do you see anything changing in regards to Kevin Love and what his status is with the Cavaliers? Is he going to continue to kind of be a leader for this team and and stick around, or does he? Are you going to think that maybe he he tries and tries to get to move somewhere else? What are you thinking with uh, with the Cavaliers and where they stand with Kevin Love?
1: I think we're in the same place that we've always been, Hayden. Um,
0: <laughs> just yes, that makes a lot of sense.
1: <laughs> I mean. Look, the only thing that has changed, I think, is maybe an outside team's willingness to take on that bulky salary has gone down a little bit because of the revenue, um, because of the financial hit that these teams are going to take league-wide. So because of that, I think they're going to try and shed more of those bulky contracts or be unwilling to take them on. So I think that brings down the market for Kevin a little bit. I had thought before the coronavirus pandemic happened, I had thought that maybe this offseason would be a possibility. Um, a team that was trying to preemptively strike before 2021 free agency, um, a team that got into the playoffs, saw that they couldn't take that next step, regrouped in the off season, didn't have money in free agency, but could have made their big splash in a trade. Like, that's what I thought could have happened going into this offseason. I think the Cavs thought that could have happened going into this offseason. But now it's you raise your palms to the sky and say, how are they going to be impacted in terms of team building because of all of the loss of revenue? Um, In saying that, like, we're still at the same place when it comes to the view of Kevin. The Cavs have one view of him. They have one value that they've placed on Kevin. It's a high value. They believe in him. Um, He was statistically their best player in terms of value over replacement player, which is a metric that a lot of people use, um, especially when having an MVP-type argument. So Mm -hmm. he was their best player when it comes to that. Uh, They're a better team with him on the court offensively and defensively. The numbers point to that. J.B. Bickerstaff has a great relationship with Kevin. It goes back to their days together in Minnesota. There's um, a lot of value that the Cavs place on Kevin because of all those things. Uh, The NBA, on the other hand, says this guy's on the wrong side of 30. He's injury-prone. He's never been a winner except for when he had LeBron James. Um, And his contract is enormous. Yep. So because of that the NBA has placed a different value on him. And until those things, the Cavs' value and the NBA's value, get closer together and align a little bit better, Mm -hmm. you're just going to have this butting of heads over the kind of compensation. Yep. The Cavs want some combination of young players and draft picks, plural, and an NBA team is saying, we're doing you a favor by taking his horrible contract off your hands, so we're not going to give you a bunch of compensation for that. You're welcome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you' I love what you, what you said at the start, like it's kind of where we've always been, like could very much be traded, could very well not be traded. Could very Well, you know, just continue to be with the calves and continue to be, I mean, it's just, I, I agree that if, if they don't, if things don't start aligning in regards to value, I just don't see anything happening. And, uh, I don't know if, you know, things would align, um, until he starts to play again, I don't think that makes any sense for any team to trade for him. If he, you know, if he, until he comes back and, and maybe has a better year next year, or you know, has a worse year, and then you know, if he doesn't play as well, then I certainly that that you know value is only going to dwindle. So, either way, I think it, it's going to take him playing again to for other teams to kind of see um, what they want to do in that direction.
1: By the way, that's a really good point that you bring up. Yeah, because Kevin did not have a great year last year. Obviously, it was injury-wrecked. And this year, he didn't have a great year either. Yep, 17.6 points per game, 9.8 rebounds per game. His player efficiency rating was around 18. You know, field goal percentage, 45. Three-point percentage, 37. You know, for a guy making 30-plus million, the numbers have to be a little bit better than that. Yeah. So the Cavs were thinking all along coming into this year, they were saying, OK, Kevin's going to have a monster year. He's going to play more like an all star. He's going to recoup some of his value. It didn't happen. And look, you can make up the reasons that you want to make up. And some of them are legitimate. He was unhappy. The coaching staff didn't know how to use him properly. There was the whole John B line situation going on. Like, those are real, and you can say that, but the NBA teams are going to say, that's a whole bunch of excuses. Malerky, like, yeah. if you're a $30 million player, you have to you have to be able to overcome those sorts of things. If we're going to give up big-time assets to get you because we consider you the missing piece, like, those things can't be a problem. Um, so the Cavs were hoping and thinking that he was going to recoup some of his value in case they wanted to go the direction of the trade that didn't happen so i don't i just don't think i just don't think they're going to say yes to anything that's offered right now i
0: i completely agree
1: all right so we've discussed a lot of different players and a lot of different
0: scenarios going into next season we discussed you know a little bit about putting a tying a little bit of a bow on the uh, abrupt end to the 2019-2020 season um but certainly we will have plenty to say uh, about the upcoming NBA draft. I'm sure we'll be able to talk about things when they restart on July 31st. Um, so be sure to stay tuned to the Winding Gold Talk podcast. Um, I, we will not likely have an episode next Monday as I am off for the week. Um, boo! I know, I know. Boo. You can boo me. That's why this one's a little longer. We you
1: know, we, we, we took it a little longer. Um, Who takes vacation then... when you can't vacation anywhere? <laughs> well, I, I didn't take vacation. <laughs> uh- I know. I know. Yeah. Go yeah, along sure. with me here, brother.
0: Yes, I know. I get it. Yes. No, but I'm, Hey, I'm going to hit the golf course. That's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna, there I'm you go. go on, on the golf course every day. Hopefully the weather's nice, but yeah, so we will not be uh, doing that Monday, but hopefully the Monday after that or even later this week um, we can, you know, start to dive into the the draft a little more and um, we'll just see how it goes. It's just been, it's a crazy time. And we, you know, we appreciate, um, everybody that's tuned in for our different chats about a lot of different things. And we're going to continue to uh, try to maybe bring in some guests coming up soon, maybe try to, you know, um, talk to some people around the NBA or around the Cavaliers. And uh, like I said, uh, it'll be enjoyable as, as we look forward to the next NBA season, which is so crazy to think about. But here yeah, I mean,
1: now that we've got some clarity too, the other thing that we're going to do with these podcasts moving forward is recap some of the seasons that these individual guys had.
0: Yeah, for sure. Colin
1: Sexton, Darius Garland, Kevin Porter Jr. Kind of go through the way that everything went for them this year and start looking forward about how they can take the next step in terms of their development. Yeah, absolutely. And the Cavaliers will be doing the same. They'll be
0: talking amongst – The Cavaliers will be doing the same amongst themselves. Hey, how can we get – how can we, you know, make Colin Sexton better? How can we make Darius Garland better? How can we, you know – look at all these young Kevin Porter jr. How can we make sure that he takes the next step? So we'll have plenty to talk about, but in the meantime, um, thank you for joining us for another episode of the and gold talk podcast. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting basketball back. I know you are too, Chris. I mean, still it's, it's still a while away. Oh my gosh. July 31st is so far away. I mean, I don't know. You know, we both enjoy baseball as well. I don't know if baseball is going to happen at all. That doesn't seem like a situation that's, you know, come to a ahead anytime soon so basketball might be the first thing to come back
1: yeah unless you consider soccer um i'm not a huge soccer fan i can't really get into it it's just not my thing unless it's world cup unless it's the olympics things along those lines are you into soccer i don't think you uh, are
0: no i'm really not it's not i don't just i don't have anything against soccer I, yeah. I i enjoy watching the world cups i enjoy watching Um, you know, some of the better team, but I, I I don't know. I just never really got into it. I, I lied. There's golf, golf too. We will definitely be watching golf.
1: Yeah. But we haven't gotten that yet. We got the, we we got the match part two, but we haven't gotten to see like what a golf tournament is going to look like in this new era. That's, that's still to come. Yeah. Well, the Memorial will be the first with fans. So that'll be, uh, exciting here in Ohio.
0: Right. I think. Yeah. But isn't that July? Yeah you're right that right see that's still so Mm -hmm. far away it is it's crazy it's absolutely crazy but at least again at least we have some some uh some real numbers and some real dates and some real times for this stuff instead of just like you know imagining in our heads oh well maybe i'll be back by july maybe it'll be back by august you know at least there's something there so at least we have a finite thing to look forward to
1: yes that's true it's no longer tossing around hypotheticals. We did that long
0: enough. <laughs> oh my goodness! I mean, this is the most. Twenty twenty is the most hypothetical year of all time. <laughs> Just yeah, like, it really. Is. Well, this could happen by the end right. of August. And this could happen by the end. You know, it's 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 a, It's been such a important year. It's been a tough year, but it's been such an important year. It will look back on it, I think, as one that um, certainly will have made an indelible mark on all of our lives, no doubt. No doubt. All right, everybody. Well, Chris, thank you for your time. Anything else to add? no i don't think so i think we covered it all today i think we did all right so we will talk to you either later this week or next the week after next and uh we'll do so and we'll start to dive into some of these individual players and you know what they can do to take the next step and we'll start talking about the draft a little bit and the future of the cleveland cavaliers so thank you again for joining the wine and talk wine and gold talk podcast we will talk to you soon